Previously on AFTN. The week kicks off with Monday. So, Sunday? What are you talking about? A week starts on Monday. No, Sunday. The work week. Work week. A week starts on Monday. No. The real first day of the week is Sunday. First day of the week is Monday. No, where? Everywhere. No. Check your calendars again. UK, the first week, uh, first day of the week is a Monday. Yeah, you're not in the UK anymore. Here's a question for you. What days make up the weekend? Yeah. Saturday and Sunday. Week end. I yeah, rest sun- my case. Sunday is still the first day of the week. No. Monday. And Googled by Steve when it's the first day of the week and Monday comes up. Zach, wrong again. <laughs> White Cat's front office will be loving this. <laughs> Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I am Michael McCall. Steve Pander. And I am Zachary Anamazenauer. And by the looks of it, Zach has brought Santa's workshop with him. I'm just getting your Christmas gifts ready. Oh, you've you've got me a helicopter. Yeah. I I always wanted one. Yeah. I thought it would be a little bit bigger, but I've often thought that about things and I'm usually disappointed. It could get you to Games of Pacific. Yeah, very possibly. Yes, Zach has brought his whole Lego set. I'm not sure what he's doing with it, but it's Christmas time. Maybe he got them in a, an advent calendar. I was wondering if oh. any of you guys got a Lego advent calendar this year. Yeah, we have four in our family. Four Legos or four advent calendars? Four Lego advent calendars. Oh. We've got five advent calendars on the go, but no Lego ones. Oh. What do you got? Got a Harry Potter Funko Pop one. There's a Harry Potter Lego one. We've yeah, I saw that. Lego. I nearly actually bought that. But I got the Funko Pop one. I bought it last year. And then with the postal strike, it didn't arrive in time. So this is me getting to, f- to finally actually use it this year. Uh, what else have we got? We've got uh, one for our new dog, uh, a dog advent calendar. We've got a Galaxy chocolate advent calendar, because obviously the best chocolate comes from the UK. Bizarrely imported and cheaper than some of the other advent calendars you can buy in the shops here. And I got a special... I said I bought it for Caitlin. It was really for, for both of us. A what? 
it's a, it's a tea it's a coffee oh. advent calendar cool. it's like instant coffee sachets got it sent over from the UK different flavours every day great fun and then we've got a a nice online Edinburgh advent calendar that we got last year but we can use it this year as well lots of great fun Steve do you have any? Uh, no I never bought one I thought it was I thought it was a waste of money ah now we're thinking that your mic is not working yeah I don't think so either Super what makes you try, think that? Try, try, try this yeah take it off is that oh that's better that's much better that's much better yeah, yeah let's go with that i we have four lego so my son has the current lego star wars calendar there might be a reason that wasn't on it yeah <laughs> uh you I, and your protective sheaths uh, yeah i i have the 2011 lego star wars calendar my wife is doing the city lego city calendar uh from this year and my daughter's doing the friends one oh. this year, yeah. but anyway Last week we we trialed a new format of the show. I thought it thought it went pretty well. It was good times. We I mean we learned there. You guys learned that Sunday is the first day of the week. Well, I think you were proved wrong by the, the by, folk by on who? Twitter. Most folk on Twitter. What are you talking about? That maybe they didn't tag maybe you didn't into tag them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably because they knew exactly what you were going to say. But yeah, we tried a new format. I think it worked well. But we're going back to old school this week, mainly because we've got a a big interview with new White Cat Sporting Director Axel Schuster that's going to kind of go over two parts. And it's also been quite a lot of stuff we've got to talk about White Caps and MLS. Why? So let's kick it off with the White Caps and MLS news of the week in this part. We'll start off just with MLS. And there's a couple of MLS veterans that were on the move this past week. The new MLS teams coming in, Nashville, Inter, they made some moves Goalkeeper Luis Robles and defender AJ De La Garza, they're both joining Inter-Miami. Dominic Badji is heading to Nashville. Teams obviously keen to add MLS experience. That that experience that MDS has talked about wanting to add, we've not had anything in that regard as of yet. So I thought, oh, maybe something was going to come in stage two of the MLS re-entry draft on Tuesday. So the Whitecaps passed in stage two of the MLS re-entry draft on Tuesday, but there were two selections. Juan Agudelo, who I did think was a... I mean, I know he's been around a bit. Not sure he would really fit in with what MDS is looking for, but ended up at TFC. I think that's quite a good pickup by them. And then Saad Abdul Salam ended up at New England Revs. But for me, Agudelo was definitely the the best pickup in that. Yeah, and he's old friends with... Uh Jose Altidore, right? They've, they're old buddies. They've played a lot together, including when they were young. They played, I think, I'm trying to think if Agadell was in the 2007 um, under-20 team with Bradley and Josie. But, uh, it yeah. kind of fits the age. Yeah. They, they, uh, I'm pretty sure he was in that team. If I was if I was Abdul Salam, I'd be sad too going to New England Revolutions, by the way. Yeah. No, he was, too, he was too young for the team. But anyways, they're good buddies. So, no new players added to the Whitecaps this week. But obviously, inspired by me talking about getting a rescue dog from Mexico, the Caps thought, you know, we should get something that is going to rescue our goal scoring. Let's go to Mexico for that. Or so it would seem anyway, because the rumours are back. Lucas Cavallini looks set to be a Whitecap. As the week went on, the rumours grew arms and legs. Now some tweets tonight looks like there's a body to it as well the the rumours have kind of existed for, for a while that he was going to come here the, the White Cats were meant to be interested in, in sending him last summer and apparently if you believe the rumour mill uh, 
price tag of five million dollars was put on his head and and that fell through but as the week started to, to go on it was mentioned that he didn't return to preseason training with Puebla John Sutcliffe from ESPN indicated that it was a done deal on Friday on Saturday Fox's Gustavo Mendoza also said it was a done deal and he was very spot on in the past when he talked about uh, Camilo ending up going to Mexico way back then and I, I think as well there's been talk about Juarez coming Efrain Juarez one of those two had mentioned that he, that he was coming here as well and, and they were spot on and then today on Sunday El Geraldo de Puebla the newspaper for the city of Puebla reported that the deal looked to be getting announced in the coming hours so Monday maybe even by the time this podcast comes out we could have Lucas Cavallini as a Whitecaps player and we held his discovery rights that was revealed which I believe we set to renew next year so not a guarantee maybe that we would hold his discovery rights next year so maybe a little bit of urgency to, to get the deal done before the end of the year I some media outlets have kind of referred to him coming to Vancouver as a homecoming now far from it because he was born in Toronto he's never played any club soccer in Canada his whole pro club career has been spent in Uruguay and Mexico he had four clubs in Uruguay from 2012 to 2017 he made a, a total of 124 appearances across all competitions scoring 44 goals which averaged 2.8 a goal every 2.8 games he then went to Puebla on loan from Penarol in August 2017, signing a four-year deal there in June last year. So they had plans for him to stay there long term. So obviously, if he's going to come, he isn't coming cheap. Whether it's going to be the five million or higher, I guess we'll never probably find out. He scored 30 goals and 81 overall appearances for Puebla. That worked out at a goal every 2.7 games. So he's very consistent, 2.8 in Uruguay, 2.7 in Mexico. Working it out over a 34-game MLS season, that's 12 goals, which isn't bad. You might get a little bit of a bump. Maybe take that up to 15 or so if if he adjusts the MLS. But when you're splashing that amount of money, 12 goal, 15 goal season, is that what you're hoping as a return? Yeah, you'd want more. If the transfer fees is $5 million, you'd want you'd expect more than that. Yeah. And the thing is, um, I know people don't want to hear it, especially MLS uh, reporters in America, but Mexican League is a little harder to score in than the MLS. So you can can expect a bump. I would say maybe five, six goals compared. You get, you know, plus minus or whatever you want to say. This isn't like a. There are multiple variables to that, right? Well, like, yes. I mean, there's, it's not a scientific approach. And Gla- no. Glass City, I, I've, I always like to look at goals per how many games. Mm-hmm. Glass City had tweeted out today, it was goals however many minutes uh, played or what? Or I what? can't remember what, it, yeah, I saw that. Oh, too. it was goals per 90. That's what he, that he, yeah. what he tweeted out. And with some adjustment, he kind of predicted 17 for the season, which is a, a good return as well. I would want more than 12. Yeah. For, for that kind of investment. But but as lots of people have pointed out in the dialogue around this, uh, is it's nice to bring in someone who is a is probably a better finisher than, finisher than Vancouver's had probably since Octavio Rivera or Camilo. Yeah. But he also... Early Octavio Rivera. Yeah, he also needs... He's also going to need service. Well, that's the big key. It's like there's no point bringing in 
a guy like that if you don't have a supporting cast around him. And uh, we can be pretty certain that the Whitecaps are going to bring in the supporting cast, or at least that is the, the plan to, well, to they, do that. They're definitely going to bring in new players that will hopefully fill that role. He, he needs someone to create for him. Yeah. Now, a few thoughts on this, just to kind of get your, your thoughts on it. First of all, is it a good move for the Whitecaps? I, I say yes. He, he's a proven goal scorer, which is something I've been crying out for for years. He's done it in tough leagues. I think it's a it's a great addition for him, for the team. I think he he's a great addition. Yeah. So there's <clears throat> this is like an onion. There's layers to this, but I agree with you just in general that this seems like a positive move for Vancouver. Are we gonna? What do you think? Steve? No, I, I would agree with that. I think uh, he's he's not the uh, he's not the most ideal striker that uh, MDS would want in a system. But sometimes you have to give that up in order to get somebody who can finish. And uh, he is shown capability of finishing. The goal against the USA was a perfect example of that, yeah. where he wasn't didn't look like much, but he was able to get on at the end of it. But he needs to. I think he does need to elevate the game a little bit more when he comes up here. Before we uh, you know, go to other layers of this onion, uh, I do. I do agree. I think his biggest, the biggest thing that's exciting about him is his finishing potential. Do you guys see him as someone who's also able to create a, a, enough on his own? Like if he is, if he is getting, I, the I genuinely don't know because apart from when he's played for Canada, yeah. I have hardly seen him play. I haven't seen a lot of, so I don't know what he's like at, at club level. No, I, I've seen highlights of his. The thing is, is he's very difficult to handle in the box. Yeah. Like if he gets his foot on the on the ball in the box. If it gets to him. He's he's likely to get a shot off. Uh, it's whether he can that. create though as well. I mean, no, that's... yeah, that's right. But so he he's the kind of guy who does need service. So that's what you have to build around him. Then at this point, if that's the striker you want. I mean, the thing is, like, he's really good at holding up the yeah, holding up the ball and letting his the people come. He's to not him. super tall, but he's definitely a big, Stout. imposing yeah. physical yeah. presence. I mean, I'm talking about him playing with Canada. He had he's had a strange Canadian career where he hardly made any appearances. From he made his debut in 2012. And then up to 2017, he didn't make many appearances. He didn't get any goals. Then he got three goals in three games in 2018. Then this year was like the big breakout. It was like eight goals and seven appearances in 2019 with that lovely finish that, that, that Steve talked about. So I, I don't know if it was going to play in Mexico that's kind of unlocked him a little bit and maybe it's a different Cavallini that we've got now because we've talked before and folk have talked online before going back a couple of years hey Cavallini maybe tempt him when he was in Uruguay bring him to Vancouver I think we're getting a much better player now yes. whatever he's done in Mexico I think has taken his game on to totally. that next level I think with him and my memory might be wrong on this but I think with him part of it was Michael they they needed to cap tie him because there was a possibility he could have played yeah. for I think Uruguay yeah. uh, so they need to But what, what also Argentina because his dad's Argentinian and his mom is Canadian, I think. Okay, so he had he had other opportunities, I think, but the um, yeah maybe it wasn't your way. But anyways, he, he had other opportunities. But then if you talk about those early days, right, twenty twelve to twenty fourteen or whatever, I if, if again if memory serves me correct, those were still like zero years for Canada, where it was hard to get. For, it was hard for Canadian managers to, to play anyone other. No, than but I, I I'm a hundred percent sure that he was he did. Uh, like he was called a number of times, and he he refused because he wanted to concentrate on his own career. 
I, at that time. I remember hearing that a sense, lot. Because there time. are some years where there was no appearances. Yeah, because he 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 kind of he didn't. He just said that he wanted to because it was a big trip from because he was playing in Uruguay. He had yeah. to go all the way to wherever Canada was playing to, and to and he, not play. Yeah, not play. Yeah. So he wanted to play, he wanted to uh, concentrate on the things a little bit more on his own career. So another question in all this: Do you think this is a name for the the general Caps fan base to get excited about? Now, those of us that watch the Canadian national team are going to know who he is. We're excited by it. The general fan base that maybe just casually watch Canada or don't watch Canada at all, no, is the, this going to be something no. that makes them think, oh, yeah, not canceling my season ticket No, because those people, especially the, the people that love European football, they would be, oh, they got a, a Canadian striker, or they're really going to score. That's the comments you're going to see all over the Oh, yeah, the place. I've seen it already. It's yeah. like there's, there's been a lot of folk like, oh, why are we bringing in a, a Canadian striker? We need to go and get a European striker. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you that this, this will hit with, People who follow the Canadian men's national team, they'll be excited for this. But it will not have the Im- immediate impact that you would long for from a <clears throat> from a, 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 str- a striker who's being signed for, let's say, in the ballpark of $5 million. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's the DP. And if we're just adding one DP, this is the DP. This is not going to move move things as much as they want or need. And it might not even save some of those people who – didn't cancel their season tickets, waiting to see what happens, and you know, up in the lead up uh, to the end of January. Which would be disappointing because I think he's an exciting player and he's more than capable of lighting it up in, in MLS. If you can score those goals in Liga MX, if you can go and score those goals in Uruguay in First Division, Premier Division, then you can do it in MLS as long as you've got that supporting cast. And I guess another question then to to kind of ask round about that as well is from the player's point of view, there's been other folk, non-Whitecap supporters of the national team that are disappointed that he's coming to Vancouver. They're like, he's taken a step backwards in his career. Why is he coming to MLS? That's a step down from, from Mexico. Why is he going to Vancouver? If he's going to come to MLS, that's a poor team. Why is he going there? This is going to hurt his development etc 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 do you put any stock in that no actually i think it's going to help his development because it will put him in a different environment uh where he can maybe learn the the mds way of being a striker and that could actually help him um translate that into some more opportunity down the road i i i would differ from steve on this in that i on the on the surface, and I'm not I'm not not like I'm not going to go on Twitter and whine and complain and say, oh, this is the end of his career. None of that kind of stuff. But on the surface, it does not appear like the ideal move in terms of his career, I, because I, the league is not as good as, yeah. as the Mexican league. So you're going to a league that's not as good. So you're therefore playing with and against people who are not as good. Um, and so I don't think that does help him maybe up up his game. Now maybe he will come in here and he could still. Uh, Again, it's on the surface. He could come here and bag a bunch of goals and build his confidence in. Yeah, great. Well, he's going to have to because the pressure's on him to deliver right from the off. Which is good. another thing that could also work against him yeah. as opposed to form. But so I, I don't, I don't think it's it's the 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 best for him. But it, I do think there is potential for it to to work out in his favor. I I kind of agree with that. As excited as I am to have him here with the Whitecaps, from a from his point of view, I do think staying in Mexico. 
would maybe have brought his game on a little bit more. But he's about to turn twenty seven. Yeah, and how many how many players get transferred from Mexico in the the year? Is it is it that um, immense? I don't know. A lot don't of people know. are actually going the other way from what I saw. I mean, maybe he, this gives him. Maybe he feels like this gives him more exposure because there are more eyes in Europe watching the MLS instead of Mexican yeah. leagues. and it's like That's MDS true. has talked about, and we'll hear from Axel Schuster talking about this as well. Vancouver being a stepping stone club. It's like you go and. <clears throat> Because you're going to have scouts in Europe, as Steve says, watching MLS. The games are on Sky Sports. They're shown elsewhere in Europe. So if you start to do well, you're going to get a little bit of attention. But also, you have to think he's maybe made the move for monetary purposes, maybe the home life, that maybe he just feels bringing up his family in Canada's. Now, again, I don't know. I don't know Pueblo, so I don't know if there is like a... a, a, I remember it's a nice from my Panini sticker books. Is it? We we know uh, like there's a lot of um, drug cartel issues. I, I like I'm, I'm sure most of Mexico is very nice, but there are I don't know what Pueblo is like. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe that's a reason why. Maybe he's seen too much or something like that. And he just wants to yeah. move on from there. So there, there could be a number of reasons for that. So it looks like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen pretty soon. As I said, it might even be by the time that this podcast out that that Cavallini is here. There's there's too much smoke for it not to be happening. If it now falls through. This is the worst possible thing for the Whitecaps because obviously they're going to say, well, we didn't say he was coming. This is just media speculation. But folk believe everything that they, they see online. Well, it's not everything you see online. It's when there's so much, <laughs> so yeah. many different... From really respected yeah. sources in, in Mexico as well. But So that should get confirmed this coming week, hopefully. The pressure will be on him, as I said, to kind of deliver right away. We we know a little bit now of when he, we're hopefully going to first see him in action if he does sign to be a white cap because the MLS confirmed some stuff this past week. Pre-season is going to begin for teams on January 18th. Those that are in the CONCACAF Champions League are able to start a week earlier. The primary transfer window will run from February 12th to May 5th. So just over two weeks before the season starts, which is I don't get that at all. Crazy. I don't get that at all. I, I know and people. Doesn't help the Whitecaps January thirtieth cut off for season tickets. But you can still tr- bring people in. You they can, can bring train. in free agents, but yes. if you're wanting no, no. to do a transfer, you can do. You can bring in the uh, like. A, can't you bring in? I've heard of so many times when people come in earlier before the if transfer it, if window. If you're opens. doing an actual transfer, the, but you're paying money. No, I understand that. But when Rain Rooney, the like when he came into DC United, DC United, he was in there training with them in June even though he wasn't going to play till July well you, you can pre-announce yeah you can pre-announce yeah, so you, you can still do it everything. yeah you can yeah. you just have to announce just, it on February they won't be here no they can still be here I think in training I'm not sure yeah. I think they can although right enough Wayne Rooney can't play for Derby until January and he's already in the dugout and he's there you go that's a, yeah so, so yeah. that's what I'm talking about yeah it, it, it's, it's, it's a, crazy it is a little bit crazy however when people listen to Axel Schuster later in the show They'll come to hear that it, it is their intention to get everything done by the 18th of, of January. Yeah, or as close as possible. Yeah, which would be nice. because uh, A big difference Vancouver, from last year. Vancouver has been one of those teams that has had to wait because they have yeah. to try and get players but on even, free or get players who this, other oper- windows closed, this, other doors closed. This transfer window doesn't make sense to me. This is MLS thing doesn't, is stupid. Like, well, I don't know why they'd start so late in February. I don't know if it's because they're waiting for all the January European window to close so that maybe they get some more yeah. bargains or something like that. Possibly. I don't know if that's the reason why, but uh, it, it's kind of stupid that they have It's just it. a shame now that Steve's going to get fined for, for that yeah. comment. 
It's Mickey Mouse, man. $10,000 that's cost you, Steve. <laughs> but the season itself is going to kick off, as we mentioned last week, on the weekend of February 28th, 29th and March 1st. The Caps now know what their first two games are going to be. They're starting at home, there's a surprise, against Sporting KC on February 29th. So hopefully, no matter what, I get to see Johnny Russell here well, depending on the BC on Place pitch on February 29th. Restraining order? Restraining order, move back to UK potentially if they want to move him out in his salary. Then after that, we're heading down to LA the following week to take on the Galaxy. The conferences were confirmed this week with Miami going to be in the East, Nashville going to be in the West. No big surprise there. It's still it's weird. Weird. But, but two 13 team conferences. The they could Caps, have easily done a 14 and 12. There's no, they've done that before yeah. where they've had two extra teams in one conference. It's the stupid for Well, the Caps National now division. won't play every team I know, I in know. the league for the first time since the, they joined in 2011. They're going to play, they'll play all 12 of their conference rivals home and away. And then just 10 of the 13 Eastern teams. Which hurts the, the, the meaningfulness of the Supporter Shield again. It, it also means less derby games just all round. So, like, Seattle-Portland played three times. Oh, thank God. No, that so there's only going to be two now. No, that, wow, that, that hasn't happened for a while. I thought they played still three times this no, year. No. This year, they were about two. Oh. Yeah. So, it was just this season before that, then? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's been like that for at least one year, maybe two. Definitely the season before, they they had three meetings. Okay, this the year first, they just the first one didn't count. Yeah. This year they only had two. Austin are coming in in 2021. And then the rumours this week that Charlotte are going to be the 30th club announced. But they might even start in 2021. Because they've got a stadium yeah. and they're good to go. And so then, they could have two in 2021 and then two in 2022. And then after that, if you, if you listen and, and watch what's going on, it's likely to be Phoenix and Las Vegas. I think those would be the last... To, to fill Ve- the Vegas, you think, is going to get in at some point because they just want to tap and into that And Phoenix, because of their ownership and what they've already done, stadium or what they're doing, I think, stadium-wise yeah. and all that kind of stuff. The funny thing is, it's Nashville. I I almost can guarantee you that it's going to be one a couple of years in, in, no, in, in Western Conference, oh, and they'll be yeah. moved to the Eastern oh, yeah. eventually. Totally. Yeah. Without a doubt. Now, something we alluded to there, and something else that MLS confirmed this week, is Uncle Donnie... Find Mark DeSantos, an undisclosed amount, I'm just guessing 10000 but an undisclosed amount for comments that were made in a November 4th article, which was later confirmed to be one that he gave him Mark Pence in The Athletic. The offending quote seems to have been Mark saying that MLS was a Mickey Mouse league for having such a long off-season. And the reason given is that MDS was in violation of the don't you dare criticise the league policy because it's a closed shop and you can't criticise. That is, though, one of the like the worst insults you can give an organisation. Yes. Uh, Bush League worst. or Mickey Mouse, yeah. I think. So I think they'd rather the be two. Bush League than Mickey Mouse. Oh, I don't Even know. Though Mickey, Disney Plus is, you know, Disney is like very but, successful, so I don't know. I would think, oh, well, maybe. You think you want to be a Mickey Mouse League. Well, but surely nothing screams Mickey Mouse League than preventing freedom of speech for your players and coaches and then clamping down on any criticism at all. I, I don't know if we have to refer to Don Garber as the great leader now, <laughs> if we're all going to get issued with a little red book to carry around with all the rules in it. Well, when the it's a marketing league, right? Like One of the things that keeps the league uh, functioning is the way they set it up with some Soccer United marketing. And so in marketing, you can't have anyone putting you down and so you can't have anyone They're like the monkeys sure 
Uh, and so, the, yeah, the, it's, it is a bit farcical. It is a bit... It is what it is. It's MLS. Well, he said a lot worse, and he said yeah. a lot worse when yes. we've chatted with yes. him. I was really glad it had nothing to do with our interview Your with prison him. Quote? Yeah, because I thought, oh, don't let me be the person that's gotten fined. But no, it's fine. He might still talk to us about that. I have been surprised about some of the reactions that I've seen online from like the MLS lovers. Oh. The saying you can't expect to criticise your employer publicly and go unscathed, which I I do get. That's fair enough. If we were to criticise our employers publicly, some folk get sacked, some folk get slapped over the knuckles, etc, etc. But this is a different kind of environment. The most ridiculous thing, and I tweeted this out, it came on ESPN FC. Steve Nicol, my fellow Scot, bit of a dick I've always thought, he went on a rant about how MDS was basically stupid for saying such things and adding that how can North America play games for longer parts of the year, especially in a place like Vancouver? You know, the the city where we have amateur leagues that run from September to March and they play all through the winter. And there's a dome state. And there's a yeah, we play indoors and we have a roof. And if you have a look at our weather, it's been nice eight, nine degrees. I think we could be playing games in December. But aside from his complete ignorance of the weather situation in Vancouver, he then, after saying that MDS was ridiculous, went on to agree that the off-season was too long and six weeks would be ideal. I don't know. I don't know. Absolute numpty. That's all I can see. But I'm worried now that Mark will start to clam up a bit. I think he has maybe been a little bit too open for his own good sometimes. It's great for us. It's great for the fans listening. He might start to clam up a little bit now. Hopefully not. There was no revelation as to how much the fine amount was, but it did get me thinking. I don't know if the Southsiders still have that fine fund <clears throat> that was set up during Hasley's time. Last I checked, <laughs> it was still there, and it could only be used for that type of thing. I'm uh, not a big fan of fun, fans funding fines, especially in a league like MLS that just... Hans finds out willy-nilly, but yeah. yeah, that might be an interesting one. It wasn't just MDS that was fine. Jose Altador and San Jose's Matias Almeida was also fined. Last little bit of MLS what news. Did what did they say? Uh, Altador criticised uh, a non-call in the MLS Cup. I was at that uh-huh. chat. I was lurking in the background during that one. But the last bit of MLS news, two MLS coaches appointed... One was reconfirmed. Oscar Perea has returned mm. to MLS with Orlando. And Freddie Juarez, the good Juarez, gets the RSL gig permanently, which I'm pleased about because I, I thought he was a, a really good guy. Had a really good chat with him when he came here last season. And I think he deserves a, a shot at having that to himself. Did you hear, though, it's only because they couldn't come to terms with Jason Christ? Yes. Yeah. So maybe second best. Not as if the Whitecaps wouldn't have come to terms with with their first choice and and gone for a second choice. (laughs) And look how well that worked for us. Anyway, we will be back with the first part of our Axel Schuster interview. After this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Again, I see your step of green. 
that was our Artist of the Month, the new royal family, with a a song from their 2007 split 7-inch single from the Filthy Little Angels Singles Club with Keith Top of the Pops. Both those, those bands have very strong connections with friends of the show Art Brute and lead singer of Art Brute Eddie Argos also features on some new royal family songs as well. You, you might think they just sing about food, chocolate digestives, cornflakes. No, we've got some other fun songs coming up from them over the course of the month here in the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Anyway, do you know what they call cornflakes in Germany, Zach? Yeah. What? Uh, maize flocken, maize... Oh, oh, no, we have to put no, the it, explicit it message. Actually. We're going to have to put the explicit message in. I don't know what he said. Oh, it's uh, mace flocking. Oh, okay. Or mice flocking. When I Googled it, it just said cornflakes. And when I, I, the pictures were just, it just said cornflakes. But there we go. Maze flocking. There we go. Who hasn't had some maze flocking at the, the summer months to enjoy? Anyway, talking of Germany, got a chance to sit down with new White Caps sporting director Axel Schuster and we took some questions from the fans got a lot of that in we'd hoped to, to speak to him for an hour but other needs must, other meetings cropped up so we ended up running out of time because you know me, Chatty Cathy getting sidetracked, talking about lots of other stuff that's exactly what we did so we're going to bring you this interview in two parts and we'll speak to him again a little bit further down the road but there's a lot of stuff that we're going to cover in this interview anyway so sit back enjoy it grab your favorite german biscuit what would that be i would say a street waffle but it's not a german thing grab a bottle of bex there yeah, we go that'll no, do that's not good that's german beer that's like the exported german that's not good german ah anyway here's axel schuster I, I wanted to kind of ask you first of all, just your initial interest in football. Like, what what is the earliest age that you can remember having a, a love for the game? <laughs> That's really easy. The first game I still have in my mind that I watched have been the semi final of the World Cup in 1982 in Spain. Oh, I remember that game. It was Germany <laughs> against France. Uh, yes, that happened as well in that game, but it's even a part of uh, the mentality of the German team at that time and was not the best idea of uh, Schumacher. Uh, <laughs> not that it happens, uh, it wasn't the, what he, the, his behavior after that, of course, uh, it was maybe not the cleverest, most clever or the best, best way to do it. But anyway, the, that what I remind or I have in my mind was this game. Uh, it's a 1-1 after 90 minutes. The German team goes down 1-3 in the overtime and still was fighting. Come back, make it uh, to the 3-3, goes to the penalty shootout and, and win the game and took uh, to go for the final. And that is something I still have in my mind. This, this situation to go down 1-3 in the, in the overtime and still to believe that was and it was not the talent most talented team in that time to to, to believe that with uh, with uh, the right mentality you can change things in football that that era for for germany it was such there were so many strong players came through obviously you'd won the world cup a, a little bit before that but but when you were growing up who were the players 
that kind of stood out for you as a child? And did those kind of players kind of shape then the kind of players that you looked for when you then got into an executive position in football? Oh, I, I don't think that at my beginning I was, uh, I was thinking about this part of the profile because I've grown in Cologne, grown up in Cologne, and uh, I was close to to the club, and so obviously it, sometimes it was more about is some, some, somebody polite or gives you an, uh, an autograph or something like that. I, I think uh, sometimes that was more in my mind. But if you if you go on and uh, which players I like most in in the history of the successful parts of uh, the job, uh, the, 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 this period I, I followed much and and I, I went to all the World Cups in, in that period. Then it have been players like Oliver Kahn, Matthias Sammer. If we go a little bit back to the uh, former times, then it was uh, players like, like Lothar Matthäus. So you will find a similarity between those. Never give up to fight uh, with a huge mentality. But even with quality, for sure, all of three, all of them three have been excellent players, um, close to the best players in Europe at that time. Their time, but they had they had always this this basis of mentality and never giving up and and work ethic and and never being satisfied with anything. Now you talked about when you first went into Mainz and you went in as a nineteen-year-old and you just asked if there was any jobs. What what made you want to work in football? Because I know you were studying law. So to 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 give up a career in law, what was it about football that really attracted you and made you want to have a career in the game? You you made a, you you mentioned the the um, transition from becoming a, a permanent employee at the club. I was a little bit slithering in. Can you say that like yeah. that? Yeah, was a little bit slithering in because I finished my exams and it was like, okay, there's a chance to do it. Try it for one, two years. It should be even a good option for you to wide up your picture. And I loved this club at that time so much that uh, I try, wanted to be the person who helps them to stay in the league because they were fighting not to be relegated to the third league at that moment. So it was a little bit like that. And yeah... I had discussion with my family as well about that. Now, not to go on with, yeah, with that what I was doing before the law exam. Uh, and it was even that that I told them, yes, it's only about one two years, and and then I will go on uh, on on in the on the company side of my father or something like that. Well, it became sixteen years. <laughs> so uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, at the end, so I think if the word uh, if that is an English expression as well, then slippering in yeah. is, is exactly the right thing. It was not like, and now I do football, and that is my my next five, six, ten year step plan. I had a career plan for that at that moment. And to be honest, at that day, the club was not that attractive that you could believe that you work there for for that it is attractive to to work there forever. Uh, because I don't think that the salary that I got at the first year, I could, I could uh, build up a family with that. So um, then, then the club grows, and then in the first two years happen a lot of things. So uh, 
at the end of the second year, Jurgen Klopp was coach. You never expected before, and 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 then, yeah, immediately the, the the culture of the club changed, and we didn't go up and didn't promote for two more years. But at the end, it was a total turnaround of culture of the club, and that even inflects the the, the people in the city. And suddenly, the club was much more in the focus, and everything grow. Yeah, and then yeah, ch- taking chance by chance. I mean, working with a guy like Klopp, he he's a guy. He's often been at teams that I don't really like the teams. I'm not a big <laughs> Liverpool fan. From Just from when I was growing up, they were one of the most successful teams and I just didn't like them. But he's a guy that he's so charismatic that whatever, whatever he says, you just buy into to what he's saying. When you're working with someone like that that's got such a positive attitude, how does that rub off on you? Is it just, has it made you see the game in a whole kind of different way? So he meets the, my... Uh, my my most loved profile as well as a, as a player uh, on a totally different level so he have not been on the level of the guys I, I, I told you before but mm. he he was the guy who who will never be able to play in professional football and even second league was professional football at that time if you have not the right mentality and so at the end I think he he even I uh, thought much more about the game because he's a clever, intelligent guy with not the talent. So he was really early thinking about uh, how a game should work and how, how a tactic or a, a, a culture should be. And then, then he mixed that up with, with his culture of being a professional only for the reason because he works harder than everybody else. And... and I think that was something he put in immediately uh, as a coach. He, he brought to the team this thing. You are all more talented than my, like me, maybe, but I made it anywhere because of my my um, my my work ethic. So at the end, he said, "If you have my work ethic, then then we can compete for for high targets, and you can be better players and play on higher levels." And that is still something that you will find in every of his teams that a player like Salah is uh, open to to go back deep into the own half to to compete for a ball um, and and that makes his teams different to to a lot of other teams um, and he is very strict in 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 uh, selecting players for that reason so he i think there are there are more talented or over talented players that will, he, he will never sign for his club because they don't have the right work ethic. Now he's on the highest level, so he can he can pick the best of the best. But even in the times in Dortmund, that have not been easy times for him, because Dortmund was, as he signed a club in, in, in a big crisis, he was really strict and he sent away players. They were loved by the crowd, but he said they don't fit to my mm. philosophy of the game. So I think he is really strict. And there is something he... And that that is still in my mind, and I I, I I I like that so much. He said, "Why we are playing football? Of course, for winning. What's the best thing that can happen is winning. But okay, in the process to win the game, there have to be more small steps of success because otherwise, yeah, it becomes complicated if you if you don't feel the good at the game or do do you don't have a personal success in the game to feel better." So he said, "Okay, what is what can you do during a game to be successful? 
it's scoring goals for sure, but how many players scoring goals, how often we score goals, so many games you win only 1-0 and that is a good result anyway at the end maybe. So he said, that what's the next thing that can give you such a positive feeling, maybe close to a goal? And that is winning the ball. To have one and one and to win the ball, to, to take it away from your opponent is like a small victory. Here the ball, I, I, me, myself or we as a team, did it in that way that, that, he, lose, that, that, that he lost the ball. So, and, and that's, yeah, I think that is a cornerstone of, of everything in his philosophy. And it's a cornerstone of even of the German mentality because we won a lot of World Cups uh, uh, and we haven't been the best team. We, we lost 1954 against, uh, against the Hungarian team that haven't lost a game for five years. And uh, Puskas and his teammates have been the superstars in, in Europe. Uh, 1974, we became world champion against the Dutch team. The, the, that, that generation of Dutch that everybody expect to win, they, they, they made it to another final in, in, in 78. Again, that was John Cruyff and his teammates. And, and every, every time the German team was like, yeah, you have no chance. Yeah, but mm. there is a, another part of the game. And, and that is our chance. And, and we made it to a lot of finals, 90, uh, no, not 90, um, uh, I think it was 2002 in Japan and Korea. Yeah. I was there. Yeah, yes, that was not very attractive. I was there at that game and I didn't like a lot of the games, uh, how we played. But at the end, we were in the final. And this, if Oliver Kahn do not make this big mistake, and he was the best player in the whole tournament, but maybe we, we even have a chance to win it. So there is another part in the game. And if you combine both, yeah, but then... then then you're the best team on the world. Yeah, that, that brings me nicely then to talk about profiles of players because Mark's talked about it a lot the last year. You talked about it quite a bit as well. When you're talking about profiles for a player, it's obviously not just what they bring on the pitch, it's what they bring off it. When you're looking at bringing players in just now to this club, ideally, what is, what is the ideal profile? Obviously, it's skill at the position, but what else are you looking for in a player? I think there is a combination of that, what I said before, of talent. Of course, you have to have talent. We, I cannot, we cannot sign somebody who is uh, there in front of our building on the street because he said, I have a lot of passion and work ethic and mentality. So it is a combination of talent, but even on the other part. And we will focus on that a lot um, because uh, we, we are not able to compete for the best talent. And that is absolutely okay. That's something I, I'm absolutely used to from, from uh, for example, the time in Mainz. We were not able to compete for the best talent in the league because there are clubs more money, more attractive for, for some reason. So then, then, but then if we are not able to compete for the best talent, then we have to compete for the best mentality. And it will be an, the entrance door to this building and it will be a commitment to, to mentality, work ethic, uh, discipline and respect and, and, uh, and uh, team spirit. And, and we have to be very strict with that. And then we have to find that talent we can uh, get on that level. And yeah, then, then that's, the, that's a sort like, or that's the way we, we, we will scout players at the moment. So even sometimes to accept a little bit more talent if, if he fulfills 100% of the other side, 
because anyway, if, if somebody is only talented but is not a, uh, ready to, to compete in this league, in a club who is, have a strict winter, playing on turf and training on turf a lot, have to travel around a lot, then I don't know if talent helps us, it helps him to, 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 uh, to be a starter in that club. So, yeah, it's a lot of that. But of course, we try with, with this profile, we still try to get the best talent then. When you look at a club like Mainz, and you talked about this in your introductory press conference, there's a lot of similarities with where the Whitecaps are just now and where Mainz were when, when you came in there. Then obviously you moved on to Schalke as well. At, at Mainz in particular, and even at Schalke, like, how, how did you identify the players that you wanted, without maybe giving too many of your secrets away, but how, how did you use the scouting network and how did you identify who you wanted to, to bring to the club, considering budgetary restraints and stuff like that? And thank you for this question, because uh, if you ask me about how we scout players, there's one more, one more thing I have to mention, because always to look at a profile and to think about if he, if he can be the next platform in his career. So to be attractive for a group of players that have the right mentality and a, a, a basis of talent that is necessary, but even to, to, to find out if, if he wants to be here because he believes we are the next step and if we believe we are the next step. So it was always to convince players, if you come here, you can, in a two years period, you can make a huge step in your career because you, we will help you to develop. We will spend a lot of time, energy, knowledge, and even money into you to make you a better player. And we are absolutely fine if you leave the club at one point because we, you did this step. And there is a new platform for you that is ahead of the MLS. And that is even that what I mentioned, why I think the MLS have to, have, have to find its, its position in worldwide football right now. And this position should be immediately or directly behind the top fives in, in Europe because there are similarities. If you, if you look at the English League, Premier League, uh, then uh, even the Scottish League, then, but then, then it's a language. So if we sign a player, for example, from, uh, from South America, Asia, Africa, he will learn the language here. But it is even a part uh, of the culture of life in, in the cities here. To live in a city like Vancouver, it's it's more or less the same than to live in a city in, in, in uh, Great Britain. And the third thing is, the game here is also very physical, athletic. That's even comparable to, to leagues like uh, the Premier League or the German Bundesliga, uh, where the game is also very athletic. And it is, today it's often more, and we spoke about Kloppo. But there are other clubs and coaches who influence the game a lot. It's a Red Bull clubs, uh, it's Pep. Uh, for example, Pep as well. So they, they, they where intensity, it's, it's even very important, very important. So there are a lot of things you can learn here to be ready to make the next step to, to, to Europe. So um, it is not our idea, and that is, that's my job, to, to sign players on the last contract. Because... Uh, Anyway, it can be a good, good signing and a good, good add-on in the team because he's very experienced and he is here for the right reasons because he still wants to show the world that he is a good player. But, but 
to have more players who have a lot of reasons to perform here, and one reason is even a reason for their own career. That is even something we did in mind. So we said, come here, play here two years, and we know that there are clubs that are more attractive than ours. So perform, do it in the right way. We will open the door to these clubs, and we are absolutely fine if you perform on the highest level. Help us to be a better team because you perform that good that you go at, at one point. And, and then it is like the players go out and said, the next player, you can go there. Because that, that was, for me, a very important step in my career. So all of that together was the way how we did it. And so you're looking for special profiles. You're looking for maybe overlooked players uh, sitting on the bench in a great big team and are not able to do that there. Uh, and to go back to a club like this, uh, to... to to play all the time, to compete and to come back to the big club because you have the talent, but not the chance. Or to look at that markets or clubs that are in this worldwide football, if we look on the worldwide football, are still below our league. So maybe even be only because of the focus, because there in South America or Middle America leagues, they, they have a huge quality. But the focus uh, is different the, the European club look at the South American leagues and clubs and they always say, okay, if he come here to Europe, if he can he compete immediately, he have to adapt so many things. And to say, here you can do that, if they see you here, they will say, he speaks already English, he knows uh, the cultural life uh, in the city of North America. Uh, and we know, we see his, his, uh, how he compete on a, in a league that is very physical and intensive. And then it's easy to transform that to, to, to our league. Part one of our sit-down chat with Axel Schuster there. And one thing we don't talk about in the interview, because someone said, when, when, you're, talking, when you're talking to him, don't mention the VAR. And I was like, OK, I, I won't mention the VAR. <laughs> I think that's what they said anyway. But it was nice to hear about his background and experience with, with Klopp, because, as I said in the interview, I hate Liverpool. But Jurgen Klopp is just so personable, and it's hot, like I like Mourinho and I hate Spurs. So it's like I'm trying to like just now think, okay, I maybe don't want him to lose as much, but still get beat. But uh, I mean, he's going to have learned a lot working with a guy like Jurgen Klopp and that that enthusiasm. And MDS has talked about he likes how Liverpool play as well. So again, soul brothers, if that's a phrase. Yeah, I mean, what he said about Klopp there was basically he, he is a person who can take people with... Uh, he can help individuals and, and, and a team play above themselves yes. by, by, by uh, motivating them well. And that's, yeah, that's been one of the great things about you've seen in the career of Jurgen Klopp at Mainz, at Dortmund, and now at Liverpool. Um I think, though, when you listen to him talk about how he was raised on German football, uh, Axel raised on German football, uh, some of those things that he that are the core values or the, the traditional core values of German football in terms of the will to win, the like whatever it takes, uh, never give up, um, incredibly uh, hard uh, hard work rate, masterful. Sure, sure. Um, 
those thi- those things um, those things I think are something that are not really a part of <laughs> a part of maybe what's happened in Vancouver over the last yeah. year or two. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can bring that approach to the club, and it's maybe going to take a couple of years to in- instill that. And he talked about the profile of players that he's looking to br- bring, where talent obviously is going to play a big, big part. But I like that he said he's, he's looking for a commitment to talent, work ethic, discipline, respect, and team spirit. And that ties in with what you're saying. That is kind of the German philosophy, that you're all in it together, and it's like just one, one group just overcoming obstacles. Obstacles. But you have to be strict with that and get the talent that they can get at that level that has that. And that's not an easy find because you, you, we've had so many players that's like, oh, it's been a great dressing room, best locker room I've ever been in, but the talent's not been there. And there's no point in having a talented group of individuals. You need that team spirit. Yeah, I think that's. I think you saw that a little bit in in some of Robbo's teams, right? In terms of they, they probably got some results that were better than the sum of their parts, or, yeah. or their better than their individual parts, right? And he said he only wants players that that can meet the demands of playing in Vancouver and MLS. And MDS has talked about that as well. And that was a big big issue this year. That I think it caught a lot of players possibly a little bit by surprise. Maybe some more than others, but they're going to really try and get that across and there was more chat about stepping stone using vancouver to get on and i mean it's true that mls can certainly be used as a stepping stone and you look at the players that's moved to europe from from mls fonzie is a a good example just when we've brought these players in in the past it hasn't worked the way that we hoped didn't work really with rivero i guess you could say they made money and they they sold him on, so maybe it did work. Yeah, they made for money. On Blondell, he got a good move to Chile. Feels it didn't work here, so maybe it maybe it did work. And how we're looking at it not, or how I'm looking at it not working, maybe is a bit unfair. It just it feels that unless we get a guy that we bring in and then has a couple of brilliant seasons here and then moves to another league, don't mention Camilo, like to Europe or something, then. I, to me, that's what I'm looking for. See, what they need is they need the established veteran. Like, for I'm just I'll use a striker position alone. They need the established veteran, and then they need a young guy behind him that they they plucked some, for somewhere in South America. So, for example, uh, if they were to being um, uh, like say, and I'm, I'm combining uh, seasons and everything. Say they had a Freddie Montero from years ago, or whatever, right? When he was at his top. Or and then they um, and then they brought at the same time Octavio Rivero behind him, and so then those two can play with each other, and one eventually will surpass the other, yeah. and then you could sell that person. And you, on. you want a battle as well yeah. of like, oh, I want to outdo him, I want to outdo him. Yeah, and veteran and it, leadership is is important, and we've talked like veteran doesn't necessarily mean old. Yeah, and actually said there is they're not looking to sign players that just want to come for their last contract. Yeah, exactly. But sometimes you do need the odd player that's going to be here for his last contract. Do you think there was a, a not a dig, but speaking to any specific circumstances? I don't, I, I don't think okay. so. Okay. The thing is, Rivero and Blondell especially, those two, because it was their first year, they really struggled uh, adapting. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest problem. I mean, Rivero came out all guns blazing, yeah. and it just... But then he moved on, he's done fairly well R- for himself. Rivero had... Well, they both sorry, they both had off the pitch 
issues that were very, very different from each other. Yeah. And those are probably the untold stories that we won't talk about on, on air yeah. for, either, for either of them. One day. Maybe one day. In, in, your, in, bo- our, in your book. Yeah. In our special 40th anniversary <laughs> show. We'll talk about that. But we're going to be back with part two of our chat with Axel Schuster after this. Hi, this is Scott Sutter and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. iconic sound of the clash there with London Calling, released 40 years ago yesterday, December 7th, 1979. Yes, flogging this horse to the very end on the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Now the album of the same name was released a week later, and it's got one of the most iconic picture sleeves of all time with bass player Paul Simonon smashing his Fender guitar on stage in, in New York City. So I'm not sure about London calling, or if the White Cats are going to be calling players in London or elsewhere in the UK, but there could be some players from Germany perhaps heading over here with Schuster's connections, as he alluded to in the first part of the interview there. We're all just eagerly awaiting to see which new players will be White Caps in 2020. Who will be calling Vancouver home? Well, there's no names that's kind of obvious from what's out there just now but let's see what kind of player we might want to bring in Axel Schuster is now going to continue chatting about things like that in the second part of our interview with him here's Axel last season in particular but previous seasons as well we have had a number of players here who are either wanting to use the MLS as a stepping stone or they're looking to rekindle their their form. There was a few players last year and Mark had maybe acknowledged he brought too many of them in at one go that were like, well, they were good in the past and we can maybe bring the best out of them. So there's, there's a danger maybe of bringing too many of those kind of guys in. You do need maybe some someone that's been there and done it but for a club like the Whitecaps, how easy is it to get a player like that? How attractive? I mean, you've got your contacts in Germany. Mark's got contacts as well. How easy is it to sell Vancouver to a guy that is at a high level already and maybe a regular first-team guy? First of all, I'm yes, and, and I always say I don't like to look too much in the rear-view mirror. Mm. Um, and there are reasons why he's that so small and the windshield is that big. But 
If we, if we look shortly on uh, the situation one year ago, then of course everybody in this club knows and, and will agree that there have, to be too, there have been too much changements. And that is even a danger, because then you, to, to change everything it brings in instability. So it is not, absolutely not my plan, and I will never do that, to change everything. Even, I don't want to speak about our club, so I, I try to do it more abstract. If you have a pay, player on a position that is playing all the time, you say, okay, he's okay, but he's not the best in the league. Or, to say, and now I have somebody in Europe is better. To change it only for that reason. I don't want um, to change things by principle. So you need even stability in, in, in the locker room. So maybe to say, yeah, we keep him because it's okay anyway. There are better players in the world, but we should focus on, on another position where we have the, uh, the possibility to bring in somebody new because there's somebody who is really not convincing or the, the player who lost uh, uh, left the club, left the club. Um, so or we transfer somebody or we can trade and change, th then it's okay, but not to change every, every single profile. We are not sitting there and looking at all the 11 players and said, oh, do we have a better right back, better left, uh, central defender left, right, left back? Uh, do we have a better six as we have? There are some profiles we say, it's okay, it's a good, it's a good player, it's okay player. Uh, we don't even ask agents to, to, to send us profile to, of that. So at the moment, every European agent I, uh, that contacts me, and I know and there are some, some I don't even know, and everybody tries to make business. Yeah. But those who, I, who ask me and I, I trust and know, I write them, I only, please only send me this, 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 and this. And we are speaking about a number of four or five positions. So uh, and I, I'm, even if you have the best... Whatever, you don't have to send it to me. It's not the right time to, to change this position. In terms of making any transfers, but particularly big splashes, you've talked that for any player it has to be two yeses, one from you, one from Mark. When it's maybe, say, a designated player or a higher-profile player, do you then still have to go to ownership to get their approval? Or if you and Mark agree, can you go and get the deal done? I will never ask the ownership to agree to a white paper. So they, they are, I like them really much because they are really, uh, the, I think they are the fans number one to four in this club. And so they are really interested in the club and in everything that is going on and they are really supportive. And they are always asking me, can we support you with this or that? Do you need help? Please let me know. We will try to do everything. So it is an implicitness that I, that I keep them uh, up to date and informed. And there is an is a informal way how we communicate all the time. So, so they, they, it's not a question of I have to ask them or I have to they, they want to control me. It is, it is for me this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I do that from the first day on and we have never spoken about that. They never asked me, you have to report us all the time or we want to know that, that, that. It was from the first day on that I told them, so only to let you know, sometimes I do it every day, sometimes two days not, because there are no normal informations, to let them know. And, and of course, if you, if you sign a DP, it's, it's their money. Yeah. So I, I, I feel it m more in the implicitness to, to do it. But there was not a red line or something like that. And... For me, it's the same. I, if, if, we, if we want to sign a DP, 
or we, I think we will sign a DP, then I even want to have them in the boat, Can, yeah. Yeah. Um, that they are convinced we are doing the right things because it's their money. That is something new for me. Uh, in minds, mm. we, we never get any external money. The only one I, I have to convince is the banks, but they will never, <laughs> not, never give money for a player because that the risk is too high. No bank accepts that. So yet something new, but yeah. No problem. I mean, football, it works so differently in Europe. And Mark's talked to me a couple of weeks ago about how the MLS transfer system, cause it, he's, he described it as like a prison. <laughs> the, it's like you want players, but they can't come because of all the mechanisms. Where in Europe, you can just go, oh, I want this guy. I'll, I'll go and do that. How involved were you in the transfer process at Mines and Schalke? Like, were you heavily involved in getting the players or was it all part of like a group thing? Yeah, it was the same like that what I mentioned here. It was only that we have been three persons. So right. um, because um, um, so the group three needs three yeses, but right. no, we hadn't known we hadn't there were there were no owners or something yeah. like that or, or weird mechanisms that you had to yeah. to make things work as yes, well. Yes, but but to be honest, some people ask me have, you have never worked with a uh, cap. Yeah, well. and I said that's absolutely wrong. If you work in mines, you haven't cap. Because you have only the money you have. You cannot spend even one euro more because no bank on the world gives you money for players. So at the end, the cap is exactly the budget you have and it, it has to fit into that. Here you have 3DBs that is it's outside of the cap. It's something I, I don't, don't know in minds. In minds, it was like that. Oh, we, we want to sign the player. It's the best one we can yeah. get. And we said, yeah, but unfortunately, it's 100,000 over, over the budget we have. Yeah, but then we have to be creative. But the league have to, uh, to approve it. So at the end, if you if you if the league say it's more than they have, then then they cannot be part of the of the league. So there is a control mechanism. It is not called cap because the cap is different. Bayern Munich have a different cap than than Mainz of five. Yes. But at the end, Mainz of five have a cap, and you know it in before, and then you have to play the puzzle as well. If you want to spend more into a left back then you have maybe to spend less in, in the number nine. So at the end, it is the same like here. If you want to spend more in one position, then you maybe have to say, okay, but then we have to find a cheaper player for the other profile, uh, for the other position. MLS, on the, I mean, you talked about where you feel they, need, they should be in the world game, like behind the top five in Europe. From, from before you came here and since you've taken the job speaking to people back in your network back home, how is MLS viewed in Germany? Is it viewed as a as a destination league or is it viewed as a league that's kind of below par, maybe a second choice league compared to, to some of the European leagues? I think there was even a process. So, of course, a few years ago it was like uh, we cannot compare and it's often difficult even with other leagues in the world. To, to compare or to, to make this transfer if the player is good there is that is that can you get out something of that for your league maybe he's the best player there but he cannot even play in your league there was a process um, and of course there are examples like Almiron uh, that, mm. that change a lot in, in thinking about that because if a player can perform like Almiron he can play in, in, in one of the Premier League clubs as a as a starter all the time, I follow his way. So he is a he is a first first eleven player in Newcastle right now. So yes, there is there is something 
that changed and we see the progress or we saw the progress in Europe and and even in Schalke we, we looked at I think in the last winter break over the last season we looked at three five profiles three to five profiles we were thinking about um, so they, it becomes more and more attractive to look at that league and to, to, to look at players there and that is up to us now and that is our job now to 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 keep this process running and with this spot on 26 to make it happen that this league is really on the on the second level in in, in worldwide football the, i met last week i met somebody and i said i will not become old enough to see that the league is on the in on the level of the top 5 yeah. he 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 said no why not we are north america everything is possible <laughs> yeah. I, I I like realistic high targets, but realistic yes. targets. And for me to be in the level of the of the league number five to ten, it's already a good target. Mm. And we should we should go on. Everybody should work on that to bring the league to that. And then it should be the league. Every player say, okay, if I'm not able to play constantly in one of the top fives, I can anytime I can go there and 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 play there. And there's always a chance to go back. I was speaking to a friend of mine who's in Philadelphia, and <laughs> he was talking about Ernst Tanner there. Okay, <laughs> I so, thought you spoke about him. Yeah, it? so um, he was mentioning, like, because Tanner, I don't know much about Ernst Tanner, but he had mentioned that he shunned deals in Europe and Asia to come to MLS. Did you, like, have you crossed paths with, with Ernst Tanner in the past? Like, do you know him, or yeah. seeing how successful he was here? Did that kind of make you think, you know, I quite fancy yes, that yes, opportunity? I, I know him and uh, we met in the past because he uh, worked in the youth academy as well and mm. I was uh, head of the youth academy in mind, so we met. He, at that time, he, he was responsible for a more successful youth academy because 60 Munich, 1860 Munich was, was a great academy and you can build up, uh, I think, a Bundesliga team with players that played in their academy and uh, national team players uh, as well. So, yes, I followed him. And especially as I was thinking about the league and to make SEP to here. And that is, for example, and he, th th there's an example in Philadelphia, the player Kai Wagner, the left back. Mm -hmm. He was in, in the academy of Schalke. He did very well. We tried to keep him, but he said, ah, it's, it's not the right platform. The problem was he was not good enough to be in the first team. He was close. The problem was our second team was uh, uh, relegating uh, immediately in the first season, relegating from fourth to fifth leagues in Germany. So the platform wasn't there. He goes on to play somewhere else. But he, he, it was a player we said, if, if, we have a, if, we, if we have a spot in the first team, maybe we should try to keep him. But we... we, we and that is even a part uh, uh, or um, um, uh, philosophy of me, be always honest. So to, to tell the player you will not play in the first team. Maybe you get the chance to be there in the preparation and, and the international breaks. If the national team players are out, you can be trained with the first team. But we cannot promise more. We can tell him stories and he sign. At the end, it's not true. That That is not good for your future because he will tell this, this club is not telling the true things. So at the, this moment, to be honest to him, brought the decision or made the decision that he left the, that he leaves the club okay i have to accept that but but and to sign him was a good idea because mm -hmm. he is exactly the player who can perform here very well 
to play here on a, on a level and, and to be attractive for, for the German market again, maybe another market. Um, and yes, that's, so of course I, I, I followed him and this last year and I followed Philadelphia a little bit and Kai Wagner did very well. So he's not still not the best left back in the league, but, but it's exactly the right step for this player. And look at uh, Julian Gressel, mm-hmm. uh, who came here from, from Germany, uh, played in, in Germany, yes, uh, on, a, on a lower level, and being able to, to become here a permanent and good, very good player in, the, in MLS. I think now there are those doors open to, to go back to Europe at one time. Maybe he don't want, but it's yeah. only about an open door and the possibility. I mean, in the past, we've had so many Canadian players go to Germany because they go and play in third or, or fourth tier over there, or even lower. With you coming here now, have you had an, any, obviously you are not going to name names, but have you had German players get in touch with you and say, you know, I'd be interested in coming to MLS? Yes. Do, do you expect an <laughs> influx of, of German talent to Agents come Agents and players, uh, even some players wrote me, and... Yeah, it was even for me a good feeling because you can be convinced as much as you want. And, and I, I do what, and I did the step because I was absolutely convinced of everything I told you about the, the development of the league and everything. But then to get so much messages and hey, uh, for, of agents and, and not only sending me 32-year-old players who are at the end of the career, even to send me some young players that, uh, that, that, exactly fits to that what I told you mm-hmm. and it's still uh, not sure if we sign them but but only to get the feeling yeah and even two players now three players in total wrote me uh, I worked with them before and said hey Axel I only want to let you know hey, I've, I I liked and there there are some who even like the life in North America yeah. to say I want to I, I was there for vacation or whatever and I like the mentality of the people and the way that people li- live there and yeah if there's a chance I will I will try to go there and we are not speaking about 32 year old players yeah. so yeah uh, there are different reasons but there are also one player who wrote me and said hey uh, only if you need my position I, I, you know, I stuck a little bit right now. I will be really open and try, if I get a chance, if I get a chance to 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 show what I am able to play, uh, the quality of my of my of my profile and and yes. The the plan for this club, and you've talked about using the club as maybe a springboard, but is the ultimate plan? And the owners have talked about this before to develop academy talent to sell it on. The club sold on a number of players this year. Alfonso Davies, obviously, Odunzi went to Leicester City. Simon Coline's gone to trial in Eindhoven. Is that ultimately how a club like the Whitecaps survives? Bring through academy talent, then sell them on for a profit? And this is even comparable to the situation in Mainz. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, how is the best way to, to, to get your players is to, to develop them by the, your own. And there should be always a Canadian mentality or uh, identity in this club as well. And yes, this club is very unique with, uh, with the academies. I think 22,000 players playing in academies, so we have to get an outcome there. And of course, it is uh, not helpful for this transfer period, but for future, we want to, to create a pathway from first kick to first team. And 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 we 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 have to structure that we have to coach our coaches because that is very important because 
we have not not a chance to 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 control twenty thousand players. Uh, but if we coach our coaches and and um, get them uh, on 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 the same page like us, and and what especially regarding the culture and and what we what we want to have as an outcome, then then there is a bigger chance to do that. And there is talent in the in the academy, and we have to be more strict there uh, with our culture, um, that the players meet our culture. And of course, for the future, it should not be that uh, it, it, we should never sign a player from Europe or somewhere for the position uh, 16 to 22. It should be always players from our te- academy, um, because then we can save money. And, and we can spend in more quality, and that even helps the player from the academy that are close to our first team or a part of the training group. Because, yeah, if you play in a in a in a group with more quality, yeah, mm-hmm. then then that helps you as well. But it is nothing you can get out immediately. So it's nothing you can change immediately. We but but we will work on that, and that is one part of that. What the, the owners want me to do is to to create this pathway. And to create uh, something like a Bible uh, of the white caps, where it's written down where are the transition points, uh, what we want the coaches to to do between the transition points, and how should the player look like? What's what is what is the profile we want to have? So we, if we say we want to always that the right back is the quickest player on, in the whole squad, then we don't have to to to, to focus too much on mm-hmm. the slow player only to be to keep an abstractive uh, yeah. example and then of course there there's even the question what we do with the the top talents at the end um and that are players i think uh u17 to u21 and i'm not speaking about 20 because you then then that's not the top talents i'm speaking about a group between five and ten players and with them, we have to create individual career plans and we have to think about what is the best next step. And if we speak about Simon, he is not going for a trial. He gets a chance, and I totally support that, to compete with players in his age on a high level in Europe. Maybe that helps him to, to, to find out where he is in comparison to them. Maybe we even find or we see that it's, it's a good platform for him to... to to make progress and to develop in the right way, and maybe at the end he, he goes there for for one year to to make progress. But it was not like a trial, um, because uh, in in an individual career plan, Simon should play in our first team mm-hmm. uh, squad in in future, and we only have to to find out which are the steps he have to go to to make that possible, and that might be. Two, two more years or three or more years, that is something we, we have to sort out with him, his agent, his family, and what we are convinced are the right steps. Anyway, of course, at the end, the player has to be convinced as well, and then we have to find solutions if not. But for me, it is an individual career plan. An individual career plan even can mean uh, that the player goes out for one year alone to play somewhere on a, on a platform that helps him more to, to, to make progress. Well, next steps, obviously the big gulf just now is the, the team used to have a USL team, they don't anymore, there's a development squad, they're not playing in a league. 
Is that in your remit to try and help solve that problem or is that a bigger, more executive decision to... No, for sure. I want to speak with the people who can make this, this decisions because competition is the most important thing in, in, in um, developing players. So in, in Germany there is a discussion on Europe-wide. The Swiss already changed that, Swiss Association, because the U16, U17 uh, was used there to play only f uh, 80 minutes instead of 90 so 90 minutes uh, you, was the, the playing time of the U18, U19. Mm. And they do that with the U16s here. It's, yeah, U16, yeah. but here the U17 already played yeah. 19. But there was there was that discussion because we, we they spoke about 10 minutes 10 minutes of competition time each week. So they said 10 minutes more competition time each week for these guys means a lot. So if we have to be honest, there is no competition time for a player U20 and elder right now here. Or he has already he already did it, but we are not speaking about those because for them, for Alfonso Davis, everything is done at that moment. But we are speaking about the developing players from end of U19 and to end of U21, so two more years. And of course, it's not the best that there is no competition. Uh, so yeah. Maybe we can change that. Maybe there is a creative idea to, to, to construct competition. If not, then that is what I was talking about. Individual career plans. Maybe we have to find other ways how players can get competition. If we're looking ahead to 2020, realistically, what is the target for, for this team? Is it to be a playoff team just to show improvement? Or do you feel this can be a competitive team in MLS next season? Or is that too much to go in, in one year? First of all, uh, I will not speak about targets before the last week before starting the competition because we, we have to sort out how the squad will look like and what, what players we can convince to come here. Uh, and if we have better knowledge about that, then it's easier to speak about these specified targets. But of course, one target is, and that is, that is the bar for me. If we are sitting here in one year, you and me, then I want you to say, yeah, I saw the development, I saw the, 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 the road you are going, I saw uh, a first step have been done, and I'm, I, I, even as an objective from outside, have to say that was the step that can help the club a lot to be a, a sustainable better club in future because to make a first huge step can be also a step we bring in five 32 year old uh, experienced players from Europe we're playing a much better season but there's no sustainability after that so that is the, t the bar I have so that everybody say yes you're on the right pathway you're on the right road to 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 your final target to make this club to a different club uh, to that what this ha has been before and then I'm speaking about culture and to be a developing club so that that's the first thing that everybody see sees the vision and the direction and the progress and of course in this progress there have to be better results and better games so if I say we want to become a team nobody likes to play then, then we speak about culture, and that is things we can change, not in one second, but we can change within this next season. So, uh, uh, of course, at the at, at one day in the season, I want uh, that uh, our next opponent thinks, oh no, not not mm. Vancouver as the next one. 
Um, that that should be also part of the process. Folk are just waiting for someone to get added to the team. When when do you think the new players are going to start to come in? Before Christmas, after Christmas? <laughs> I'm speaking more than about one player. Of course, we want to have uh, uh, somebody coming in before Christmas. Uh, and I know Mark and Mark said everybody should be here at the 15th of December. We will not be able to do yeah. that. Okay. But the first training is on 18th of January. It's still good to have most of them here uh, until that date. Uh, to be to have them here in the first training, uh, but at the end, if I'm convinced that we can get the best profile we want to have, and it needs two more weeks, then then we will go on for two more weeks. Uh, that should be a mixture to to have uh, a good part of them, a good group of them already here for the first training on 18th of January, so that they can start immediately with with the group, and then, yeah. Then those we are fighting for that at that moment should be players that are worth to wait for. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Really appreciate it and we'll talk soon. Axel Schuster there, talking about all things Whitecaps, plans for the future. We're going to unpack a lot of what he said in the next part, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Kakuda Mane. You're listening to AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to part four of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. What was that song, Steve? That was called The Seed by The Roots. And I think in our chat there with Axel Schuster, he planted some seeds as to what the Whitecaps might be looking to to bring into improve the club, not just next year, but in the, the next couple of years as well. So we're going to unpack a little bit of what he said in this part, as well as continuing our selection of Whitecaps of the decade with a look at the midfielders. But the Whitecaps can't compete with a lot of teams to, to be like a, a destination of choice, I think, for, for some players. Because some players that want to come to MLS, they want to play in America. Some players want to be just in a big city, New York, LA, Miami's going to get a lot of folk now. The sunny destination. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago. I mean, there was a TIFO last year that said, we are what we are, I think. We are who we are. We are who we are. And should we just accept that? Or should we always be pushing for more and a change and 
trying to convince players that look, this is a this is a great city. Yeah, we play in turf, but come here. Although that TFO does work when when you think about the Whitecaps, it actually wasn't really about that. It was about that group of people leaving that section. It was like a farewell to the section. It's just a little bit ironic that it it, it reflects so much on who the. Oh, I thought the, it was because did someone not say in an interview we are who we are? No. Oh, I really think someone did. Wow, no, that's been a saying for Curva Collective since oh, interesting twelve or twenty thirteen or whatever. But and it's a yeah, it's a well-known commenting so yeah but but no but in terms of do, do people have to accept it i think this is part of the uh, part of the part of the problem that axel will have because he, he's come in and he's basically said oh this is just like mines the problem is the people and the history of mines understood that they understood that they appreciated that they were okay with that do you it, mean the club people or do you mean the supporters? The city. This, oh, the, the right. Okay, just everyone connected everyone, with the yeah. club. There was right. no, there was no one like, there was no one in Mainz being like, we should be in the top third of the Bundesliga, right? It, or if we are, it's because we'll have a crazy year or whatever. Um, which they did. They did have some some good seasons to their credit. But uh, the problem is when you come to Vancouver. Uh, to, to say those things, even though it is probably fair judgment of where things are at, to say that's who we are going to be and who we always will be and who we should be, I don't think that's really invigorating and inspiring Inspiring for people who, who you know, see a number of different things. Uh, like, yeah. like, like, the, like the, the, the influx of money that you should have from transfers like Alfonso Davies. I mean... Uh- to, to attract better players, winning trophies would certainly do that. Having a winning team in the field would certainly do well, that. And actually but we have to also be realistic. If we're not going to splash the cash like the big teams, and the, the more expansion teams that come in that's got money to burn, the more we're going to look and fall down the pecking order. But how about that training centre? Shouldn't that bring some people in? Folks rave about it. Yeah. But that, but that, those, those transfer... So those uh, the new clubs coming into the league, Michael, also means more money in the pocket of the owner. Yeah, but right? not the club, just the owner. Sure, but it should. It's then up to them to decide if they want to spend it, it exactly. on the club. And the fact that they've come out and said, "Oh yeah, we're going to spend," and then they haven't. This year yeah. will be a real barometer for, for if they were just yeah, lying, I if, think... if they were just straight up lying to people and thought they could get away with it, thought their players would just overachieve and no one would care. Or if they're actually going to do something about that. Well, you have to feel that with names getting linked and they know they need to do it, that there is going to be a change. But Axel said he wants stability. He doesn't want to make changes for change's sake or just to slightly improve the team. So he's not asking agents to send profiles for certain positions, four or five positions. So it's like... What are those positions? Goalkeeper. Keeper. Keeper. What else? Where else? Right back, probably. You mean left back? Left back. No, right back, because he kind of said... I'm not looking for people... It's like, I look at the player that I've got, and if I think, oh, can I slightly improve that by oh, going overseas? Yes. No. So I will just keep with what we've got. And you think right-back's one of those... I think... But, they're, they don't wanna, but the thing is, with right-back, you don't want to spend that much money, so you're yeah. going to have to spend money yeah. in order so to... Right. We have a serviceable right-back. Okay, and then... So left back. What, like, what are the what are the four or five positions that they're not looking at? Goalkeeper, left back, right back, and probably one of the midfield positions. Yeah, if you're talking and about one of the winger Re- positions, if you're talking about keeping Reina, probably Reina. Yeah, and Imbalm, obviously. Oh, and Imbalm, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. probably yeah, probably those two as well. That's what I would think anyway. 
It is interesting to say, though, that he did have a cap in Germany. It's just not officially a cap. It's as a, a salary cap. Yeah, it's a budget. Yeah. So he had budgetary restrictions. And he will have that here, along with a cap. Because whether folk might want the white caps owners to go and splash tons of cash, they're not going to. They'll spend some. And Jeff Mallett has said he's made a commitment that they will spend some, but there's still going to be restrictions there. And he said he likes to have high targets, but realistic targets. And I, I, I do agree with what he said about where MLS's place should be in the world. Yeah. Because Don Garrow's always talking about wanting to be this world league and a destination league. You'd never, for a long, long, long time, it's going to be going to years dislodge and like the the English, Spanish, German, Dutch, Italian, French those leagues. Yeah, because they're entrenched. Like yeah. there's a marketing term or something like that where if like they compared like um, Coca Cola was the entrenched number one soda in America. Pepsi has spent a lot of money trying to become the number one, but they still haven't been able to do yeah. it because Coca-Cola is so empowered there. It, it, the English Premier League, I know you how much you guys hate it, but... The, I don't hate it. No, he, uh, Zach hates it. He's not a, not a fan. Yeah, but but that that league spends money. They have a lot of people eyes on it. That one will... no Even no matter how good like Barcelona... And Barcelona and Madrid and Bayern Munich and... PSG, yeah, maybe not PSG, but, but those teams and probably a couple of Italian teams, they're probably better than most of the English Premier teams, but more people want to watch the English Premier teams yeah. because that's that, that's what they grew up on. But you also, you don't want MLS to end up like that where teams know they have to spend to compete. So the promoted teams spend money and a lot of them overspend and then end up in financial, look at Bolton, nearly went out of business. He's and United, yeah. Sunderland now are languishing in the third tier mid-table yeah, and you've it, got Stoke City look like they're going down this season and Middlesbrough could go down as well. But at least the people get a Netflix series. <laughs> yes. Out of their misery. I hope you say that at some point. Uh, the, uh, yeah, but that that that, that, can, that won't happen in the MLS system, Michael. There's no promotion, there's no obligation no. and with a salary budget the way it is, you can keep on being a Columbus or a Vancouver yeah. and just putter along. But I, I like what he says as well about it's like, I I fully agree. And like, some people are going to hear him saying the words like cheaper options or talking about saving money by maybe bringing through academy players and, and stuff like that. And they're going to be like, oh, typical white caps trying to do it on the cheap. But if you listen to exactly what he said, he said, you should not be spending money on those players from positions 16 to 22. I agree 100%. Yeah. You want to spend your money on these top 15 players. Yes. And if that means we improve the quality of the first 15, but we've got some 16 to 22 numbered players that, yeah, they're not great. I'm all for that. But they're not. it's not that they're not great. They're not experienced. Yeah. So they, 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 they if, learn by the being thing, with these better players. Yes, better players will, and you can actually bring those players into the starting line because you're not, you know that you have, they have backup yeah. because they have You can't players. have 22 players in a budgetary league where no. it's all high yeah. quality players. No. No, but I think if you also read between the lines of what he was saying there is this is a change from the Carl Robinson approach. The Carl Robinson approach was to have more balance yes. throughout the squad. And, and, so you could rotate and everything yeah. like that, yeah. Where, whereas this is more yeah. like what Columbus used to do, where they used all their money, uh, as much as possible, and their cap money would go into their first 11, yeah. 12, 13 and players. like when we sat down with MDS, he rattled through, he likes to have a set lineup and a consistent lineup, and he could rattle through all his teams of the guys yeah. that he regularly yeah. relied on. Now, it's a bit 
difficult for Vancouver and MLS with all the travel and everything. Hopefully, with this new schedule, maybe the three teams we don't play next year are some of our longer trips or something, if we're really, really lucky, yeah. or we have them at home. But I, I like his whole first kick to first team mantra, and I know it's kind of like just a, a sort of buzz phrase, but... I mean, it's true. It's it's great, and he, he talked about some successes like Kai Kai Wagner at at Philly, who's a guy that wasn't going to make it in the Bundesliga, and can, has come here and done really well with Philadelphia. And this is the kind of player that he's looking for. They're maybe at a good club, but they're maybe just not going to be first team regulars there. They come over to MLS and they can be first team regulars, and then if they do well, they can go back if they want to to Germany or wherever. And he talked about some some players that he's worked with before have been in touch with him. So all the internet sleuths can kind of try and work out who, who they might be. I, I'm excited by what the future could hold in store. Yeah, I'm realistic because part of what the Whitecaps have done in the past, but maybe I'm maybe I'm just very forgiving. But I think we, we have to give Schuster and DeSantis a year and the ownership with this this approach that they say that they're going to have, we have to give them 2020 to see if they deliver on it. I, and if in a year's time they yeah. haven't, then it's like open season. This, this is essentially, like, I know uh, a lot of people have said that, you know, the, what they've said in the past is, is they haven't fulfilled it. But, and because of that, this is essentially the last year. Like, they have to show that some commitment to spending again don't have to spend the huge bucks that atlanta or yeah. lafc do but they do have to spend something they have to show some capability of bringing some players in yeah. and cavallini and- is like if they're spending five million dollars plus although one thing we never talked about when we talked about cavallini is there's still this mls thing that was mentioned and then disappeared of mls giving clubs help yeah. to bring canadian players yeah to MLS, the so clause. Yeah, so they could get a little. Maybe this bit is of, what's causing delays in this because they're trying to figure that yeah, out. Don't start, I don't remember seeing that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of good what he said. Uh, one of the interesting things uh, where he said uh, there, Michael, when you were interviewing him, was that he's he's been brought here to and asked to write the Whitecaps Bible on the pathway to development. Yeah, which there's two elements, two two parts of this that intrigue me. One is uh, I, I New Testament or Old Testament. <laughs> Um. Wow. Yeah, we could go deeper in that. Genesis no, of the white cats. <laughs> but he. Let's know. We've got ten more minutes of this section. It's interesting. It's interesting though that he said that, and I I wish him well, and I hope he can can do that. However, it also shines a light on how inept they've been at actually doing this. Like it, it's really sad that the people responsible for this are still in the club. The people who should have. This, he should have walked in and been like, I, not, not, not I need to write the Bible, but more I need to maybe, I need to look at Yeah, I need to tweak it or, or I need to see, it. How, yeah. see where yeah. it's at and, and, and see what needs maybe altering and yeah. set up. Improving or, or improving. something. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. It's like, no, he's like, no, I got to write this. Yeah. I got I to do this from scratch. And so that's a real, a, a real harsh criticism for those who've been responsible for those things. And those, many of them, if not all of them, who still have jobs and are still be paying, be paying a wage for doing something that they have really not excelled at doing for a number of years. Schuster, 316, hashtag. So, I mean, we'll we'll see if any of the players that MDS and Schuster bring in next year are going to end up making the the white caps of the decade for the 2020s. 
But it moves us nicely now to, to talk about the third part, our third instalment of Whitecaps of the Decade for the 2010s. And this week we're going to look at the midfielders. Our new section continues to get a good response from listeners and, and readers of the site as well. We've picked our manager, our goalkeeper, our back four. We're now moving into the midfield. And a reminder, we're going to have our selection of our team. And we're also going to do a listener selection as well. Because there was a little bit of difference in the left backs and right backs in, in the defence. Much of it's probably going to be the same. And there's maybe just going to be a couple of odd differences here and there. But also, when we're talking about this, remember, always have to try and, and base the criteria on what they've done for the white caps, not what they've done elsewhere in their career, and try and pick with head over heart. Sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's both together. But for the midfielders, so this is awkward because I thought we said we we're doing four two three one. Well, no, we didn't. You said that. We said four four two. Yeah, we said four four two. You just you were going on about Robo went with four two three one. Yeah. Okay. The midfielders thing is it's a difficult one because you've got some players that could be left wingers in attack, left midfielders in midfield. And we've had a lot of midfielders come and go through the, the ranks in Vancouver over the years. Not all of them have been very memorable. And we're we're gonna pick four from this segment, and three might be used. So what I'm gonna do, because we don't know what formation we're gonna go with, I'm thinking of picking twelve players. So we'll have four defenders, four midfielders, a goalkeeper, and three attackers. three attackers. So you can perm 11 from those 12. Okay. And then, I think you also said when we put it out, we're going to put it out with a bench. Yeah, we'll have a okay. bench okay. as well going in that. So for midfielders, we're looking at like defensive midfielders, centre midfielders, attacking midfielders, left and right midfielders. As I said, those last two are open to a, a winger debate. Now, from all the responses we got, there were two clear runaway players that, that should get into the team. Matthias Laba at DM, Pedro Morales at AM. That was the, the listeners' thoughts. They were my selections as well. Do you two agree with that? Who did Slambo vote for? He hasn't voted, actually. But did, Do you two agree with that? Would they be in your team of the decade? I, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain. I think for sure Matthias. I'm not sure about Pedro. But uh, but um, it's difficult to find anybody else that would fit that category. Well, let's look at these two yeah, quickly. Let's go for it. Matthias Laba. He had one half year in Toronto. Came to the Whitecaps in preseason twenty fourteen. And played. If, and if people remember, he only came here because TFC had too many DPs. Yes, and they had to unload. We got him at the end of February, just yes. before the season started, and that was a good bit of business by Robo. Four seasons with the Whitecaps, made 115 appearances, got three goals, three assists, got 20 votes as well from the, the listeners, who, for time purposes, I'm not going to go through everyone yeah. that voted, but thank you so much to everyone that did. Scored against Portland. And this was just from one tweet on Twitter as well. So when we do, we're going to do this as a written thing as well, and I'll put it out on Facebook and we'll, we'll get some more things as well. Now, Pedro Morales, he was a bit of an enigma. He arrived with a bang kind of left with a little bit of a whimper and a training, training pitch bust up. Three seasons here from 2014 to 16. 85 appearances, 25 goals, 22 assists. If he makes the team, he'll be in the team with Ouster again, so that could be fun when we have our training sessions. He got 19 votes from the, the people that voted as well. 
And for me, those two have to, to be in the team. I mean, you look at what Pedro's actual contributions were. Yeah. I know a lot of those were penalties, and we talked about that at the time, but they all count. I, I think it has to be those two. I think, what do you think about Pedro, too? I, I, I also have to think of like just his pure quality of him as a player. Yeah, some, some of his, his first season in particular, those cross-field balls that he did was just absolutely beautiful to watch. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's... Yeah, I'd, I'd have I'd have Pedro. Depending on how things line up, uh, Matias Labo would would be very high on my list. I uh, I'm partial to obviously Gershon Kofi, and I know you yeah. asked me to remove the bias from. Well, but we'll come we'll come to that. So it, Steve's a little bit on the fence still with Pedro, but if if those two make the team, two spots are up for grabs. Now we had 14 other players nominated altogether. And that included three players from the USL era, Martin Nash, Alfredo Valenti, and Kevin Harms. Well, now, if Nash had signed MLS and played MLS, I think he would have been in this team. But he didn't. Yeah. So, for well, the one season in USL, which wasn't his best season was, either, I don't think we can I, have him in the, the picture. I think I saw. Was that tweet a joke that was mentioning those guys? No. No, okay. no. Okay. I, I didn't take it as a joke. Oh, okay. Because there was other jokey ones, but I didn't take that as a joke. Anyway, I like to include it anyway. Uh, Beef Alfredo, Alfredo Valente was great. Yeah. I've got a picture of me with him and the 2008 trophy. Nice. Hmm. In the days that I was allowed to take pictures with players. (laughs) You're probably hugging him too. Yeah. Now, Kakuta, Fonzie and Teixeira got nominations. Again, falling into, are they wingers? Could they be in the midfield? Now, Fonzie, a lot of folks said, if you're going to include him as a midfielder, he has to be in the team. And I would agree with that. But I think I'll have him in the attack. And I think we'll look at him as an attacker. He didn't make left back. So I think we'll maybe look at him next week in in the attack. So others who got a small amount of nominations were Mauro Rosales, uh, Nigel Rio Coker, Jordi Reyna. But I think... Again, Nigel Rio Coker, not a joke? No, he actually got a couple of nominations, actually. It was more than one. Because if it was one, I would have thought it was a bit of a joke. But... There was actually more than one. Unless more than one people were making a joke. But I think we've got the nominations for the last two spots down to five. Christian Belanius. Only two seasons here. 51 MLS appearances, five goals and 16 assists. I think he could have had a lot more if the Whitecaps playing style had been a bit better, particularly in his second season with us. Gerson Kofi. Spent five seasons here in MLS from 2011 to 2015. Arrived in 2010 for a season in the USL. MLS-wise, he made 133 appearances, nine goals, seven assists. He frustrated the hell out of me because I felt he could and should have produced a lot more than he did. He was just too inconsistent. And if he had that consistency, who knows where he would be actually playing just now for, for one thing. Davide Cumiento player with one of the most impressive resumes I think that the Whitecaps have had from a player that this decade maybe Alain Rashad you could look at as well, Scott Sutter had a bit of an impressive resume as, as well if you look at what he did in Switzerland and Ken, Kenny Miller? Kenny Miller, yeah so I mean we had some good players Kumienta's right up there he's another one who I, I think could and should have produced more one and a half seasons here 42 appearances, 2 goals and an impressive 14 assists Russell Tiber. A lot of people gave him the nod for longevity because he's been with the club for the whole decade. 
165 appearances, 3 goals, 17 assists. I was quite surprised when I saw it was 17 assists. It was an impressive figure. But he did have that one fantastic season where he was getting all the assists. He was playing with Camilo and Kenny Yeah, got a couple of of goals as well. And then Inbom Wong. He's got one season under his belt, which I feel makes it too early to include him. But he got quite a few votes, at least five. He's played in every MLS game this year. Started all but three of them. Three goals and five assists. So, unless you guys have any other nomination. No, those are the uh, the right ones, I think. Um, but for me, then, and at this point, are we, we're picking four? Yeah, four altogether. Then I would go um, in this order. Uh, Matias Lava, uh, Kumiento, uh, Gershon Kofi, and then Morales. Those would be my four. You also like Davide, right? Yeah, I see my four is going to be different okay. because I've gone for La- well, I've gone for Lab and Morales. You've gone for Lab and Morales. Yep, I think so. Okay, so you went f- the other ones. You went for Kumiento and Kofi. Yeah, I've gone for Kumiento and Belanius. So you have Kumiento playing on the left. Don't try and fit it into a team. Okay. Just pick oh. your four that, best midfielders of the decade. Both with your guys' selection and with the, the, the fan selection. It's just weird to make a midfield of all those people, which is fine if yeah. you're not focusing on that. The other thing that's weird for me, because I also am very uh, have good memories of Davide Cumento. <laughs> so like I am prone to want to see him in this team. I, I, I just put him and Belanius ahead just because of their, their, their skill. Because the thing is, Davide was not here. I mean, he was also part of the 2010 team. Uh, he was in the second half of 2010. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, only got to show a few glimpses of his brilliance then. Uh, but it, he wasn't here long. Like That's the thing that kind of takes away from it. Yeah. For, for me. And but then Belanius was only here for a couple of... He was only here for two seasons. Oh, I think Davide kind of had me, two. For me, Comiento had a more of a stylish impact. If you want to say it, like there was oh, more yeah. style behind hey, yeah. it. Hey, I'm with there was you, more impact. There was more excitement. Oh, Bologna's, excitement off the charts. Bologna's for me uh, didn't provide that for, for enough for me. So yeah. you've gone Kumi into Kofi. I've gone Kumi into Bologna's. Uh, w- You're going to pick Gersh. Well, I think Bologna's sure. should be in there. If if I don't use Alfonso as an attacker, I would definitely go with him on yeah. one side and Bologna's I'm, I'm on the I'm going to have side. him as an attacker, I think. Um, yeah. So I think I'm okay with what the with the fans chose. Then I can live with that, even though it doesn't play super well. So yeah. So what the fans actually went with their their four selection was Laba, Kofi, Belanius, and Morales. I also want to say this. I think for the AFTN team, I think there needs to. I think Russell Tiber needs to be on the bench. Oh yeah. I think we'll need to have more debate on this then because we've got two votes for Belanius, two for Kofi, and, and we could, two for We could finish that with the striker because we are only going to pick th- some, yeah. most likely three of these guys, maybe four of them, but we'll figure out which three actually make the starting we, 11 next we week. We might have Perm 11 from 13. Yeah. But yeah, so that was it for the midfielders. Next week it is the strikers, as Steve mentioned, so we'll tweet that out during the week. Get your thinking caps on and which three you're going to want from that. But that is it for the Whitecaps talk for tonight. We've got one part of the show to go. It's going to be Wavelength and BC Soccer Web Headlines. And we will be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Cal Valentine. You're listening to the AFTN Podcast. Yeah, uh, 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 uh. Yeah, uh, uh. 
Welcome back to the final part of tonight's AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Broadcasting from the unceded Muscular Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. Nice little Christmas tune there from Steve. He's yeah, it's a Canadian duo, Canadian duo called Elijah Wood, ex-Jamie Fine. Um, it's called It's Me and You This Christmas. So there's a curious phenomenon in football, one in which... A team of absolute diddies are playing terrible and the manager is the fall guy, losing his job. And then immediately the team start playing well, getting results, almost playing as world beaters, putting in performances that they didn't before and leaving you wondering just what the hell has happened to them or what the hell happened before that they weren't playing well. It happened so often. We've seen it in Scotland this year. Hart sacked their boss after one win in 11 games, won their next match 5-2. Hibs did the same. Then they've just like lost one of the last six games with four wins in that. It's amazing what happens. Even the Whitecaps got a bit of a bump after Robbo left with Dalrymple. They had some, some good performances. Not a playoff bump. No, no, not enough for that, but a, a bit of a bump. It's always, always done with the same players as well. And some of it is obviously due to players trying to impress the new boss or to send a message, good or bad, to the old one. Sometimes it's just a, a new manager getting more out of the guys or playing them in different positions or different tactics or formations. And another team that seems to have got that sacked manager bump is Everton. Marco Silva was sacked after the Toffee Men's 5-2 derby defeat by Liverpool on Wednesday night. He lost his job on Thursday. They're languishing down the bottom of the table. They had just four wins on the season and just one win in the last six matches. But then in comes convicted criminal Drunken disorderly himself, Duncan Ferguson, and boom, a 3-1 win over Chelsea. Ferguson's just the interim manager, bit of an Everton legend, so I thought this is a, a good time to dig out a song that I've had in my pocket for him. This is by a group of supporters, Everton fans, called the Duncan's Army, and this is just called Duncan, Duncan Ferguson.
Duncan's Army there with Duncan, Duncan Ferguson. That's from a triple CD of football songs that I've got that, I'll be honest, most of the songs on it are not quality. Um, it's called World of Football. I got it years ago. It's got some interesting ones on it. We've played a, a few in Wavelength before. But, yeah, that was all about Duncan Ferguson. I don't know, do you know Duncan Ferguson's past at all? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It it just shows you, you only have to be convicted of assault and affray just multiple times before you turned your life around. He's that one of the rare players that's actually been sent to prison for something he did on the pitch, which was headbutting a player that played with Wraith Rovers. But there he's Fife's rivals, so, yeah, good for him. Anyway, now it's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com. Your site for local, national and international news, stories, reviews, features and a lot more beside. Make it part of your daily routine, morning and night. Check it out, bcsoccerweb.com. And I'm sure there's been a lot of things on the site this week that's been catching Steve's eyes. Yeah, quite a few. Uh... Like a pointy stick. So, here we go. Um, first of all, uh, Chilean, um, you know, if Mark DeSanto thinks it's Mickey Mouse for the, the MLS league to end so soon, Chilean league ended for different reasons though, not because of the league itself, the anti-government violence has forced the cancellation of the remainder of the league season. Uh, they canceled the rest of the league, uh, following weeks of anti-government protests that have led to reported 26 deaths and hundreds of serious injuries. Matches were initially suspended, but now the six remaining matches have just been abandoned. Uh, last month, in fact, uh, the National League pulled out of a friendly in Peru uh, in support of the Perugias as well. Yeah, I, I saw some stuff on the news today from Chile. It's looking pretty scary down there just now. Yeah. Um, another story here, uh, another g- game that was actually forced to be halted, but they ended up uh, going over. Uh, Bordeaux, 
Uh, they routed Nimes six uh, nil on Tuesday in a French uh, league game that, that they was halted in the eleventh minute when dozens of home fans stormed the field and kind of the sidelines in protest against the club's board. The their supporters group called the Ultramarines um, say the club uh, president and the board are prioritizing commercial interests over the fans, um, but and they want uh, them to step down. But the president, Frederick uh, Logopi, has said that after the match, he said he was, has no intention of stepping down. But the protests there continue. Yeah. Very volatile week of football. Now, if you're a deadbeat father in Argentina, it's recommended that you do not... Uh, you pay your child support if you want to attend soccer games because a judge has banned an Argentinian football fan um, over unpaid child support. The defendant, uh, Mr. Hugo Federico Suarez, is prohibited from entering the Boca Juniors club uh, and their football matches until he completes all his child support payments. The uh, came in a statement from the court published by the Argentina Football Association. So the Football Association itself uh, published that. Uh, Suarez is, has been behind on his payments for a year and his former partner took him to court. Also banned from going to any concerts by Chilean singer Mon Laferte, Suarez has already bought tickets and a flight to Buenos Aires to see the singer perform, apparently. If they started by banning deadbeat dads from football in Scotland, the tennis would plummet. And uh, last story here, uh, English Cub is uh, set to bamboozle uh, the opposition. Yes, fu- <laughs> a fun headline. Pun. Yeah. Uh, I like puns. Uh, f- uh, high-flying English fourth-tier side Forest Green Rovers are about I to describe them as high-flying. Well, okay. uh, they're about to wear bamboo shin pads, furthering their claims to be the world's greenest football club. Earlier this year, at the beginning of the season, they switched to a bamboo kit, um, and now they are switched to the shin pads. In a statement, they say, bamboo is a natural wonder, a sustainable material that is ridiculously strong and ultra lightweight, making it perfect for shin pads, as well as better for planet and our players. They essentially want to uh, use less plastic, mm-hmm. which that's been a big issue. I, they that's actually, nice yeah, I mean, they're very into the green thing and they're keeping the bamboo thing going. They actually signed a panda this year, but he only made it through one training session. He eats, shoots and leaves, they said. Yeah. But they are a very kind of very all the food there. It's all vegan, so no meat pies, no bovril. Never been a fan of them. Talking of of lower tier English sides, actually, just before we go as well, keep an eye on what's happening at AFC Wimbledon because Prime Minister of England, not Scotland, because we Bojo? didn't vote for him, Bojo, had called in last year or earlier this year the planning permission for Wimbledon's new stadium and then eventually looked at it and said blah, 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 yeah, that's okay, you can go ahead with it but the year's delay has cost them millions and now they've got a shortfall that they can't meet to build the stadium so they're faced with the dilemma of having a stadium with one stand or having to borrow and risk the club going under if they can't yeah. keep up the payments or they're having a big meeting on Monday and some other meetings before the vote to decide whether to open up just being from fan ownership to having actual people buying into the club. So it's a big talking point, and depending on how this goes, this could affect the future. There's been a big push for clubs having fan ownership, but then these clubs struggle to compete with the budgetary restraints in the league. So 
It's going to be interesting to see how Wimbledon vote and then if other clubs follow suit that are that are fan owned. So keep a watch. Maybe they could keep it for fifty one forty nine or something like that. I think that might be what they're kind of looking at. Yeah, just now they they opened it up a little and it was seventy five twenty five, but now the investors want it to be way less than seventy five. So we'll see what happens there. I I hope I truly hope they can. I know it's a bit of a different structure, but I do hope that they can keep it fifty plus one. Yeah, because what they're saying is if they don't get the extra investment they're not going to have a budget that will keep them in League One. So they'll, they say we'll definitely get relegated next season if we don't get relegated this season. Can they build one, one stand? They can build they, one stand and then, and, yeah, then, and build stuff up. It's just it doesn't look great. East Fife's got what, one stand, but that meets their needs. But So uh, I don't uh, understand. Maybe they don't need to have the, the... Maybe they can get somebody to invest in the stadium and not the club itself. Yeah, that was one of the options, but they were, they'd get the money in installments oh. then. So... Yeah, it's, there's a 23-page document addressing it all, which I sat and read today. Oh. Anyway, I'll read that for you now in the show. So, page one. Extra, extra points. Extra, extra. So, just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat, and I learned that the Whitecaps Bible might become a little bit more Lutheran. So it's not going to have the Book of James <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe it would be more Lutheran than that. Uh, for me, it's at Zachary. Because Axel's Lu- uh, German and Martin Luther was German. Not Martin Luther King. Martin oh, Luther. okay. I was going to say, so. I thought he was American. And, and Luther didn't like the book of James in his oh. Bible. I know nothing about Bible, apart from the Bayview Bible, which I did in AFTN UK back oh. in the day. Classic. Uh, yeah, for me, it's at Zachary M on Twitter. Uh, something I learned uh, today was uh, I have a lot of uh, shared, uh, although from a different perspective, share, shared uh, footballing experiences as Axel, <laughs> Axel Schuster, as you heard in, in Michael's interview with him, in terms of growing up and admiring strong-willed German footballers who never gave up and uh, always always fought to the end. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada, on Instagram at AFTN Soccer, and give us a follow on YouTube, like, subscribe, do all the stuff that the young kids tell you to do on our YouTube channel. That's AFTN Canada as well. And we will be back next Sunday with some more fun and games on the AFTN Soccer Show. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care, and more the Cavallini! Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
Et...